0: Binary friends to everyone on the spectrum and in between. Welcome to another episode of The Shutter Show. My name is Ken Stacknick and with me as always is... David Marlowe. David, how you doing today? Ken, I'm a little, st- <laughs> a little stressed. How we are, are, you?
1: are yes, Yes, we... so we just got back. Uh, well, not just got back. A couple days ago, we got back from uh, from Jersey spending the holidays with um, with the in-laws and you know with the omicron numbers going up that was uh particularly stressful um especially with all the flights getting canceled and everything we were so lucky that ours didn't get canceled but at the same time we were riding those uh those really heavy winds that caused the fires in colorado
0: no oh, good times and
1: that has to be by far the most terrifying plane ride i have ever been on like to the point where katie and i were like gripping each other's hands i'm like well in case this thing goes down this has been a a great albeit short ride um and also like just down like four aisles from us was somebody just violently throwing up oh good so we're just like oh this is a this is a nice little horror story we've uh we've bought our way onto Mm -hmm. um so now we're back and we are going through the next uh scariest thing which is trying to find movers to move all of our precious items from california to indianapolis and then i will be leaving for indianapolis on the 30th of january and we are running out of space in the apartment the walls are closing in but ken how are you doing
0: good sir <laughs> oh i'm doing uh, i'm doing pretty good uh, other than dealing with uh, obviously the scares of uh, omicron uh, we've had a couple of uh, uh scares uh, near our production but other than that we are slowly but surely uh, pushing the pre-production uh, boulder up the hill we are keeping an eye on how Omicron is developing and whether there are going to be new restrictions that are put in place. So we are hoping that we are going to get started in mid-February, but we are also trying to be as flexible as possible if that ends up getting shut down because we are in Hawaii. And Hawaii, uh, thankfully, does not screw around when it comes to COVID stuff. So we You are are in one of the better places to be with all of this
1: going on. Like, it's... But it's still, yeah, it's still, terrible. are you guys still on
0: schedule for production? At the moment, but okay. you know, but, but like, yeah, things are getting weird and it's early Sundance just switched from, uh, they just canceled all of their uh, in-person uh, screened uh, movies for the festival. It's going to be online only. It looks like this year. Uh, so things are starting to, uh, people are starting to respond to the Omicron surge, and we will see if we are part of it or if we are one of those states that is going to try and pretend like it isn't happening. Which yeah. seems um, bad. What's
1: uh, and you and I were talking about this for a little bit. we we'll, we're we're not gonna be on this for too long. But like I've been. Welcome genuinely... to the COVID
0: cast. We'll be always talk yeah. about
1: COVID. Yeah, I've I've been genuinely surprised by how difficult it is to just get a test. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, forget getting an at-home test. Like, they're all sold out. You like doesn't matter where you go. Like, you can order one on Amazon, but it's a twelve-day wait for them to even ship it. Um, and I can't seem to find appointments to get tested, like without at least having to wait a couple of days for that appointment, and then I have to wait a couple of days to get the results. Whereas you used to be able to get results like in twenty-four hours with most places. So I'm I'm genuinely. Terrified that after two years we haven't figured this out yet. But, you know, it's a good thing we we host a podcast where we talk mostly about horror movies. Because, uh, I mean, Terror is our bread and
0: butter. Completely. Yeah. David? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, right. Terror is our blood and butter. And we are uh, talking, speaking of butter, we are talking about a French film today. Le Pacte de or Brotherhood of the Wolf, directed by Christophe Gans from two. 2001, and let me just start off by saying that this movie fucks. It is Ugh. so much fun. It's got like this movie has everything. It has native martial, uh, Native American uh, martial artists doing Native American kung fu, but like in the rain and <laughs> monsters and Monica Bellucci and heaving bosoms and cool hats and France in, like, the, the French Revolution and the French Revolution, and it's it's just got... it's It's got everything and so cool. Uh, there's a reason that it was, like, one of the highest... I believe it is still to this day the second highest-grossing French film in American history, uh, which yes. is pretty rad. Yes, it is. And it is actually still,
1: I think to this day, the sixth highest-grossing French film in France. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it I mean here's the thing, like this came out. I want to say, like it.
0: 2001.
1: Yeah, came out in 2001 in December. I w- I believe December was when it, it was released in the United States, and it was released a whole year earlier in Canada and in France. Um, and so, but yeah, apparently it just it made gangbusters. It was it was unbelievably um, like for one thing, the marketing was spectacular. Um, the film itself is well shot and looks, as you said. So, so, so goddamn cool. And let's not forget um, the lovely Monica Bellucci, who absolutely 100% uh, has permission to ruin both of our lives and can step on us at any time. Um, you Can might... confirm. Can confirm. Um, you might know Monica Bellucci, if you're American, from the Matrix films. Um, she's also, she's been all over the place. Like a huge French um, uh, French actress,
0: yeah, it was married uh, to Vincent Cassell, who's also in the movie.
1: And yes, Vincent Cassell who who plays um Jean Francois, I believe, is
0: I mean, let's well, let's say, first off, it's not just any. Uh it's not just any Vincent Cassell. It is a one armed the, well, the, the the, the one armed Vincent Cassell, <laughs> which is just again like, okay, why not? Yeah. Let's let's do that, this. That
1: man was born to play villains. Like oh, 100 percent I think most people would recognize him in the States from like black Swan, maybe. Uh, Oceans um, Twelve,
0: he's the bad guy in that. Yes.
1: Ocean's 12. Um, now the big question that I have for you, before we talk about the film itself is I, I truly have to know um, where did you first experience Mark to
0: Ooh. Um, i'm trying to think um it might have been this really uh i think so hang on let me uh let me look at his yeah i think it was probably this i mean he's got a a storied career beforehand but like it's a lot of he looks very different. He looks very different now. Okay, all right, no. Te- all right, technically I know him. I saw him first either in The Crow. Yeah, The Crow. The Crow I would have seen. Wait, he was in The Crow? Who was he in The Crow? Uh, I will look. Um, let's see Wait. here. I mean, I'm just going off of what the this is uh... what... Okay, t- while
1: you're looking Ken, do you want to take, like, one guess at where I first experienced
0: this wonderful gentleman? Uh, I'm going to guess some sort of straight-to-video kung fu movie. Um, it was, in
1: fact, uh, Double Dragon, baby. Oh, like, okay. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, that's right, everybody. I saw Double Dragon as a small, small child more than once because... It was a video game movie and it was around the time that you had like Mortal Kombat. That was, that was a big film at the time for kids. Yes, it was. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was all about like two Kung Fu guys wearing different colored Kung Fu clothes.
0: I I believe it's
1: because it's based on a video game, right? Yes. Double Dragon is based on the side scrolling you know, punch punch, you know, button mashing video game. The one where uh, you can heal yourself by eating a giant whole turkey without, you know, having a, a full heart attack. But yeah, so that is where that is where I first experienced that wonderful gentleman. And in this movie, he is so cool in the most unnecessary of ways.
0: Well you're just not expecting Let's uh, see oh okay so um Mark DeCascos, uh was in the 1998 Canadian television series based on The Crow. With Mark DeCastos oh. playing Eric Draven, the character originally played by Brandon. That's actually really good casting. Yeah, the, uh, the Crow Stairway to Heaven is the name.
1: Oh, uh, mm, you know, I'm, yeah, I now that I recognize that now, I've not actually seen it myself, but I am aware of its, of its, its existence and... I now look thinking
0: about him like that's actually really good casting. Holy shit. Yeah, no, no, no. He's, um, he's solid and he's got he's got an incredible presence. He doesn't have a lot of lines at this movie. Obviously, that but that's obviously on purpose as the nature stoic, of his character. Very yeah, stoic. But he's one of those actors who absolutely can tell you just multitudes with just a look, by just standing still, by just making the tiniest little micro movements uh, or expressions. He, I mean, he's so good in sort. I mean, I would say the entire cast in this movie is stellar, top to bottom, particularly and most importantly, if you watch this movie in the original French. The English dub yes. of this movie is trash. Um, it is just not up to snuff, where the original French is is, is worth doing. I understand American listeners, reading is hard, but guess what? You did learn to read and it's worth it for this movie because this movie, this movie just rules. It's so much fun. It top to bottom will keep you entertained. Uh, I will say it does drag a little bit here and there with its two and a half hour runtime for me, particularly the bookends don't add a whole lot. I understand yeah. narratively why, why they're there, but I think the movie would function totally fine if they just were like, and we're in this time period and they're doing this thing. And then it's over. Like, like you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think it needs to be framed. Like if they had to cut, like say three whole minutes from the film,
1: they could easily cut those two bookends and you, like the film itself would not suffer in any way, shape or form from it. Um, no, and not, yeah, no. I, I, I actually, and I agree. And I forgot how long this film was. It runs just a little over two and a half hours. And it does overstay its welcome, just a little bit, but not. But it it doesn't necessarily take away from just how much fun this film is. And Ken, like I gotta say, first off, I'm really excited that we get to talk about this film because I personally love when we get to discuss films that dive into both culture and history. Um, to this day, my favorite discussion between us two remains um, when we talked about the film *The Wailing*. I had so much fun looking up all the crap on this. And, and I was not aware when I first saw this film, when I was in high school in 2001 um, or I was in seventh grade uh, in 2001. Great year, great year. Nothing tragic or traumatic at all happened in that year. Um, nope. Just, just weird movies. Um, and which now what she, what year did um,
0: Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon come out?
1: Ooh, I want to
0: say that's 99. Let me double check. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is 2000. Close. Okay, great. Okay, yes. So at this time,
1: you had not only The Matrix going on, but you also had Crouching Tiger, Tiger Hidden Dragon, like big kung fu choreo- choreography scenes like were the thing. And so a lot of people tend to think that some people would classify this film as silly, and over the top, I would just consider it its own French um, romanticism, like just like kind of the same way that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like it is like that story itself is based off of actual true events, but obviously people are not able to fight the way that they fight in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's it's just it's romanticized, um, and the story that these guys are telling. Is one of the most fascinating werewolf, but not werewolf movies I have ever seen.
0: <laughs> like, no, to- yeah, no, totally. Yeah,
1: it's it is it's fascinating because yeah, um, Candley, really, how much um, how much are do you know about like what this film is based
0: off of? Ooh, uh, let me think about that. Uh, so I know that this is based on a true story that obviously has been embellished in some way. I am vaguely familiar with the folklore that goes behind this, but I definitely don't know any specifics. And it sounds like from what you're saying, you might have done a little homework. So David, oh, why I did you, yeah, why don't you take it away? Well, Ken, I, I am a massive
1: history nerd. I love the second I realized that there was a a, a crazy moment in history that is either semi-unexplained or involves very silly people. I will automatically look it up because I'm just, that's just the kind of person that my mother raised. Um, but no, this is, um, this is based off of a, a true story, like with actual witnesses and um, French government recordings of the, what's called the, uh, the beast. And let me see if I've got the, the pronunciation of this, which by the way, Ken, are you French? Uh uh-huh.
0: Oui. <laughs> uh, actually, no, that's not true at all. I am uh, do, English and Polish. Do, do you speak any French whatsoever? Uh, I I, uh, I am decent at French pronunciation, as uh, evidenced by the fact that uh, this movie is actually referred to as Le Pacte de l'Elu in France. Uh, so why don't you... Uh, let's see here. Why, uh, so... What do you need me to which pronounce, Which is great, because,
1: because... No, no, no. Because I am also not French and do not also speak French. So... Um, so, yes, I'd so if, if we decimate all of the French words. So, yes, yeah, so this is based off of The Beast of Jovadan. Uh, now, The Beast of Jovadan was a God, this is like the, this is what's fascinating is this was the first real national news story, like of its time, that like reveled in both the occults, class politics, like developing scientific inventions like under like this repressive papacy that was going on at the time. Um, It's, it's, it's an absolutely fascinating story. It it was going on between like 1764 and 1767. There was a creature in the French province of Jovedon that had been killing somewhere between 20 to 200 people in about a three year period, mostly commoners. Uh, The attacks were witnessed and well-documented though the beast itself was never properly identified. The French crown sent a French naturalist to investigate and document and possibly capture, and the crown itself even claimed to have killed the beast, though the killings actually continued until eventually a nobleman who lived in the area and a local farmer got a crew together, and like a large crew together, and they eventually killed a beast which then caused the killings to stop. So they believe that that was in fact, the actual beast itself, though still there is no confirmation of any type as to what it was. It is is a truly fascinating time because you you have both just this period of, we are just about to hit the French revolution. Um, You know, French commoners are very pissed off at the aristocracy. Uh, You also have this battle going on between science and the Pope and weird superstitions going on at the time. It is just an age that is ripe for story-making. And yeah, I I cannot begin to tell you how fascinating um,
0: the story is that this film is based on. No, it's awesome. And like, that's one of the... The things that sets this movie apart, I think, is it's like this. This movie is a couple of movies. It starts off as a like as a straight monster story with like a little Sherlock Holmes sprinkled into it. And then it becomes like a Hunt the Beast Jaws kind of movie. And then it becomes a French Kung Fu movie. And then it ends as a historical drama. And uh, I've, I've got no problem with any of that, frankly. Yeah. Like, like, like it's such a good, like, like, like you were saying, the ingredients here are stellar. And there's no surprise that Gans was able to then make a hell of a film out of such great individual ingredients. Like even just one of these concepts could be enough for an entire movie for you to run with it. And this movie is just like a cornucopia of chaos and cinema. It's got like the slow-mo is awesome. The speed ramps are awesome. The style is great. It's shot beautifully. The costumes are out of control. Awesome. And not just the big, floofy dresses that you normally get with with a, a French historical drama. They're, the outfits for our two main characters are awesome all of the um the it's it smells like like 16th century france it's dirty like it's properly dirty in play in the places where it's supposed to be dirty and it's properly clean in the places where it's supposed to yeah. and yeah it, yeah there's i mean oh uh, something we should also talk about um christoph gans has had uh, a kind of up-and-down career from here. Uh, I would say that, like, so I didn't play the game Silent Hill, but Mm -hmm. I have seen the movie. And while I don't think it's a good movie, I think it's it's Silent Hill through and through. He got the smell, he got the vibe, he got the tone of Silent Hill, Hill totally right. I think the story doesn't quite work. And this is... This is all of those things on display, but then with a great script as well, or at least a really solid script. Yeah. And
1: Ken, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I, we, As we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times, like I am a massive, massive Silent Hill fan. Um, I was obsessed with those video games when I was growing up with the uh, different PlayStation generations. Um, Silent Hill 2 being my favorite. And yeah, he absolutely, he understands the importance of getting the look of the film right, how that almost does like at least a third of the heavy lifting. Um, And I completely understand where after seeing Brotherhood of the Wolf, why they picked him to do Silent Hill. And I think the only reason that film um, wasn't as good as it could have been, though I have seen it an embarrassingly large number of times in the theater like in there was a dollar theater nearby where I lived in Muncie and I went there way too many times and saw that same movie way too many times.
0: <laughs> He's a Muncie boy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Stayed there in Muncie for like a summer before I went off to Chicago for college. Um, but no, like it's Christoph Gon's. I think when you let him do what he does best, he gives you quality. And I think what hindered him in, in a film like Silent Hill was the studios came in and they kind of, you know, did what studios like to do, which is think that they're good filmmakers Mm and know how to tell a proper story when really they're just like bothered by the fact that they're seeing a movie that has Mm -hmm. no men in it. Um, Like the slowest parts of those movies are literally with Sean Bean and what's his face from sons of anarchy. And those were guys that were added um, in reshoots because Mm -hmm. producers didn't think anybody would go see a movie with just women in it. Like, and then, which meant that they had to re like, they had to rework the script a little bit and the pacing just felt off because of that. So I think when you let this kind of director do what he does best, like you get films like brotherhood of the wolf, which to me, like has a very, um, Oh God, what was the Johnny Depp film with Jack the Ripper from hell? It has a very from hell vibe to it. Where, yeah, like it's sort of a Hounds of Baskerville sort of thing where there there is like most of the movie is the investigation and putting the pieces together and then finding out there's a little bit more to it. Obviously, like, like you, like we don't want to go into spoilers. This is kind of one of those movies that you've told me that specifically you would prefer to let audiences kind of figure it out for themselves by watching the film.
0: Well, like it is, a, the movie is a mystery. The movie, like the first half of this movie, at least essentially is a Sherlock Holmes story of this guy trying to figure out what is this beast? How do we catch it? And is it supernatural or is it a beast of this earth or is it something else? And so much of the movie is that, that I that I think, that I, I, to the people who want to see this movie, Hmm. Let, let me let me take that back um, there, are, there are two ways That I think we on this show Can inspire people to watch the movies A, mm-hmm. give them A pitch, an elevator pitch uh, A log line Some of the cool elements, the things that you're going to want to see And then leave the Leave the ending to them And let the story do its work I think there are other kinds of movies that we're going to talk about here A movie like Night of the Demons Which I almost kind of feel like you can't spoil I kind of feel like you can't really spoil Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even if you know what's happening, it's still going to be just as effective. And what we can do, especially for these movies that aren't as heard of, is to let you know what happens in them, so you go, "Excuse me, I need to see yeah. that." That sounds yeah, the You're same saying... the same
1: way that you can't you know spoil a, a Disney Pixar film. Where you just like, oh, what a twist! That person was the villain the whole time, bitch. We like they've been doing that for like five
0: years now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it turns out the first movie you made with two princesses, both princesses are good. You don't say. The guy Wild. that you thought was the sweet old
1: man is actually the villain. What? Hmm. I've only seen that in like seven other of their movies.
0: But yeah, so uh. Uh, we, we 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 will. We are going to talk about the ending of this movie a little closer to the end of the podcast, but we're going to give you guys full heads up on, on spoilers. We obviously are going to talk about some of the things that happened in the beginning of the movie, but almost all this stuff is stuff that can be inferred or figured out by just watching the trailer or just thinking about, like, this is a movie about French dudes in, in you know before the revolution hunting a werewolf. So there's going to be a couple of werewolf fights. There's going to be a mystery. There's going to be there's gonna be a lot of stuff. We're not going to spoil the mystery for you until we say spoilers, but if you, uh, I, I think for a movie like this, we need to let this movie, for those who want to play it on its own terms, if you're the kind of person, like um, I know from talking to some of my friends who have children of various ages, there is a whole generation of kids who like to see the movie, like who like to see a review so they know what they're getting in the movie, it's kind of the, the Robert Zemeckis School of thinking um, Robert Zemeckis yeah. famously when he did the Castaway trailer, the very First line of the trailer Is, oh my god You've been stuck on that island for five years And it's like, oh Okay, so he gets off then? He gets off The islands? That's your movie called Castaway He gets off the island? That's a, but, but that's the movie You want to go see. Nobody wants To go see a movie where Tom Hanks dies On an island of dehydration like well, this, this is all the people
1: who who like as a kid, the first chapter book that they ever read was The Hatchet. Like that's that's castaway. <laughs> like they watch it to, to hear all the cool wilderness survival shit that Tom Hanks does. I um, loved that book. I loved it so much too. I'm so happy that you read it.
0: Oh yeah, no. That's one of those movies that I'm kind of so, that's one of those books that I'm surprised, I believe, only has a made for TV adaptation. There's not an actual wow.
1: That's that. That's actually very it's surprising just, to me. I feel yeah, like it, so many people have grown up on that book.
0: Yeah, I mean there, there are the Hatchet movies, but those are slasher movies. Yeah, those different. are very different. <laughs> yeah, those are wildly different. But yeah, no, one, you know, one, one, uh,
1: one Hatchet is used to uh, to cut wood for a shelter. The other is used to cut people.
0: Ah, okay. There is a film adaptation called A Cry in the Wild, and. Oh man! Uh... <laughs> it, and it was it was made for TV. I uh, uh, it was released for PBS. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. But yeah, oh, but no, it's like, got ne- hey, it's got Ned Beatty in it. That's fun.
1: Oh, fun. But no, yeah. like so. So Ken. So I'm. I'm. Um, I've always been kind of curious about your relationship with sort of the werewolf lore as it pertains to Hollywood versus the actual lore itself. Like, cause I'm, I'm sure like you being the, the man with the encyclopedic knowledge of, of film and television, like you're aware that for example, like all modern werewolf lore, like including like the curse being transmitted by bite, the silver bullets being needed to like slay the beast. Those all stem from literally Universal Studios, nineteen forty-one film,
0: *The Wolf Man*. Well, actually, in the forty-one film, it does, it's not even silver bullets. Like he beats the werewolf to death with a silver cane. Yeah, so just silver in general. Yeah, just silver is the is the a thing. very bad <laughs> silver allergy. Yeah, no, um, um, I, I I have a long-standing love of the werewolf genre. My brother, in particular, is the werewolf nerd of the house. It is his favorite. Of the Universal Monster movies. Uh, the Wolfman in particular is his favorite. Um, I have uh, as as a result seen a ton with with him.
1: Yeah, of course well, uh, like the, the the transformative influence of the full moon, like that doesn't even crop up until like Frankenstein meets the wolf man, which I think was like was that like
0: 1943? Yeah, it, it, it's it's way later. It, it um hmm. uh let's see here. Uh, I, I would say in our family, actually, the biggest werewolf influences are Stephen King's Curse of the Werewolf, the illustrated novel, novella, and then also I would say American Werewolf in London are probably like the two, like are the two not- most loved, you know, werewolf things in our house. You mean not Stephen King's Silver Bullet? What the adaptation <laughs> of Curse of the Werewolf? No, that movie is not like. It, yeah. like it, it, the book is so good And yes. the illustrations are so awesome That the, the movie is fine But it's just not as good as the book Like yeah. at all Yeah
1: And then you have Stephen King movies like Lawnmower Man which I, I, At some point If that ever ends up on Shudder We have to do an episode on it Because I
0: have to know what happened to that film <laughs> Yeah okay yeah I mean Lawnmower La- 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 I mean man if you want to talk about bad Stephen King adaptations You got the Langoliers which is Oh funny. yeah yeah, some of the worst CGI ever, ever, ever. Uh, you have the like, you have the perfect example of when the author might be wrong about their own work. When he came out and was like, "Oh, I think the like the 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 Shining TV show is better than the Kubrick movie," and you're like, "No, like it might be more faithful, but better? No, not a chance."
1: Yeah, you know it's <laughs> now. In terms of like, how do you how do you feel that Brotherhood of the Wolf itself has aged since like two thousand one? Like watching it now versus when you because you you said you originally watched it
0: in the theater. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, saw, want, you saw it when it opened in theaters. Yeah, I saw it two thousand one in December. I believe I saw it opening weekend, and it literally was with like we saw the trailer, and I called up my buddy Chris Jans, and I was like, "Dude, this movie looks rad as hell. I don't know what it is." but I do have $7. You want to go to see the set? You want to go to the century? <laughs> um, and, we, and we went, and it just blew our minds. And it made sense at the time, especially like in 2001, I think the two movies that this movie is influenced by the most are, uh, we already mentioned it earlier, The Matrix, obviously. But mm-hmm. I would also say Fight Club. The way that the camera rushes around, there's a very Fincher-esque movement of the camera. I was actually originally going to bring up Panic Room. Because there's a way that he, Gans uses his camera and a blend of CGI and real elements to go through objects, to zoom over uh, various landscapes, including Jessica, uh, Ma- uh, sorry, Monica Bellucci's gorgeous naked body, which then becomes oh, literally, uh, literally yeah, the, the most hilarious
1: artistic dissolve I have ever seen in my whole fucking life.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, oh. yeah. Um,
1: Monica Bellucci's breasts become the mountaintops. It mm-hmm. is, it is, it is poetry. Can mm-hmm. yeah, pure is, yeah. pure poetry.
0: <laughs> um, th- uh, there's oh. even the shot. There's even the shot that's in Panic Room, where um, our main character is lying in the bed, and the camera is sideways, so his face is cut like is like this way in the camera, and taking up the entire length of the thing, and then it slowly turns like this. And that exact shot happens in Panic Room a year later. So like so but let, let's be clear neither of these guys are stealing from each other because like panic room is already shot and in post-production at this point so the only movie that he could be borrowing from is fincher and if you look at the way he moves the camera a lot of the compositions are very very fincher-esque and i can only assume that they just ended up kind of picking from the well like the the, the same style basics i'm i'm almost sure at this point that Gans studied Fincher's work and was letting that influence the way he just set up the various shots, the compositions, the the control in the camera. I mean, even some of the I mean, there's not so much speed ramping in this movie, uh, just because I think at the time, the tech wasn't really quite there to do the. The three hundred esque speed ramps that this movie is clearly building to. Yeah. But I will tell you this: I am sure Zack Snyder saw this movie. Like, there's Whoa. so many, so much slow motion. So well, like, much there's slow mo- just well, well, like in like in comparison to the amount of slow motion that's in like the Snyder cut Justice League, there is no slow motion in this movie. But it's 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 just it, like it's the fact that like it, it's it's shooting it in the rain. It's the Zack Snyder just, definitely fucked to this movie. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I'd be willing to bet that this movie is on his shelf. And it is one of his movies, like, is one of his dangerous banger movies. Or like, one of those movies that you're like, no, 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 this movie is so cool. Like, and it's, the best thing is, is most people don't know it, so I can steal from it all the time. John, John Favreau
1: takes uh, Scarlett Johansson home and woos her with cooking, you know. Zack
0: Snyder takes a woman home and woos her with Brotherhood of the Wolf. I mean, that might be entirely possible. I mean, like, so like Steven Soderbergh has this, has a movie like this for him, which is Point Blank by John Borman. And once you see Point Blank, you can see how much of Soderbergh's style comes out of that. Uh, if you look at Peter Jackson, his movie to go to all the time is King Kong, which he has literally remade. But if you just look at the, the stuff that he finds interesting, as soon as you realize that that touchstone movie exists, it opens up so much of his work. Now, that said, sometimes a touchstone movie for a filmmaker cannot be at all what you're expecting. Fincher's big touchstone movie, his favorite movie from his childhood, the movie that got him into filmmaking, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Just one of the most delightful, super fun, cool movies of all time. But you know, I I don't know what a David Fincher Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid would look like, but it would be wild, and it would not be Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Has he ever said that he wants to remake that? No, to the best of my knowledge, no. I, I believe he knows to leave well enough alone because you can't make perfect better. That's just madness. No need I to am, fix what ain't broken. Yeah, I am furious that his version of Twenty Thousand Leagues from Under the Sea fell apart because that would have been my Jam. Like, I love the original movie. I love the book. Fincher's one of my faves. I would have loved to see him do that, but, like, I would love Great. to see him no, do that. No, like, do and I've, I've, like a, I've heard yeah.
1: kind of how that fell apart, too, and it, it breaks my heart that we'll never get to see that. But it's like, but, I don't know. It's just sort of the kind of, like, almost going back a little bit to we were talking about, like, about werewolf lore itself. Like, one of the things that I do love about this film, and this isn't giving any spoilers away, is how it it teases you with the modern, like, Western lore of the werewolf, but it sticks pretty close to actual lore. Like, it, it it's as over-the-top as this film seems, bone, chain, sword, and all, this is actually a very grounded film, like, in its history. Like, it, it is like looking through it and I hadn't seen this in ages. And like, I remember really enjoying this film, but I think I enjoyed it for different reasons back then. Like than I do now, I just see something that had a lot of passion behind it. I see something that had a lot of detail and hard, hard work behind it. Like I, I didn't expect to be like, you know what I would like to see? I'd like to see a bunch of French men in trench coats, beating up a bunch of men dressed as French women. Like, that's, that's, that's the kind of jam I'm up for today. Like, but damn it, if that isn't like the most, like some of the most entertaining first seven minutes of, of cinema, like you're going to see in 2001, like that is, that is a solid fucking opening right there. And that whole movie could have just started there as opposed to like that, that very beginning with the French revolution. But like, and even then the French revolution still adds to it. Like, I still think there's still plenty to it that, that you get from, from the lore. It, it, it's really
0: fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say um, we did watch in the version that's on shutter. And I'm assuming if you're listening to our show, you, you, you have shutter. So that's the version that's available there. That is the director's cut, which is 150 minutes or two and a half hours. There are two other cuts of this movie. Yes. the original French version slash U.S. theatrical version, which is 143 minutes. And then there's also the U.K. cut, which is 39 minutes. Now, from what I understand, the U.K. cut is obviously is the shortest. And I believe it excises an entire um, one entire plot. I can't remember. No, it's it's the book, the the book that gets printed that eventually. Oh, okay. They they have a whole
1: fight scene in the printing press and they actually make. Like you, they actually make a point to make sure that the that they acknowledge that those are the books that are being printed, but the audience isn't going to fucking know what that's all
0: about yeah. because they've completely mixed that whole storyline. Which I don't understand why they did that. But I mean, it's trying to get uh, it's it, especially in, at this time. So something our viewers might realize, uh, not realize, uh, if they've never worked in a movie theater or just thought about what it would be like to own a movie theater is. If you have a three hour movie and your theater is open for twelve hours a day, you can get three screenings of your movie in because you have to clean the theater, move people out, move people in and If you get that movie down to two and a half hours or two twenty or two ten suddenly now you're talking four or five six screenings uh, a movie they prefer to take it down to two, and that way then get five to six per theater but This kind of thing happened a lot and it's why you see a lot of director's cuts coming out for movies around this time period. And that's one of the reasons that I'm really glad that we have physical media Mm -hmm. because it also is a way to both preserve the theatrical and the director's cut version because I think for film students or people who are trying to learn editing or storytelling, there is a lot to be gained from watching how losing six minutes for a movie can either open it up and make it amazing or completely kind of wreck the pace. How these little trims here and there can greatly affect the overall movie experience. And unfortunately, like like a lot of the Judd Apatow movies have extended director's cuts. And I think every single one of them is a great example of why they hired an editor in the first place and why they took those jokes out. Because yeah, they're extra jokes, but they're extra. They don't need to be there. And if you're just looking like, and if what you're looking to do is hang out with a movie, then I totally see why these things are added. I happen to own a specially edited version of Spinal Tap, put together by my very good friend, John Jansen. And this is not just any copy of Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap with every single extra scene, every single extended improv break and every song Stretched out to its full amount, so it's like a three and a half hour version of Spinal Tap, and it is perfect for when I want to like have a party and have people over when there's not a pandemic, obviously. And I want to just put on something fun in the background, I can put on this, you know, this giant version of Spinal Tap. And it's because we're not watching the movie, we're not watching it as a movie, we're watching it as a hangout piece, it is a vibe it is uh it's just it, it is it is it's what's like putting on a piece of music in, instead it is it is something that is there to for all of us to be able to check in and check out with and i would say this 2001 director's cut struggles a little with stuff that could have been trimmed but it's all trimmings yes. like i i i would say i i prefer the director's cut but i'd also be willing to say that there is some room for editing, and I would say the same thing of Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. And if you listen to Paul Thomas Anderson's interview with Mark Marin, Paul Thomas and agree, Paul Thomas Anderson also agrees. Yeah, Magnolia is actually a little long.
1: Yeah, there's well, it, it's the same reason why Kingdom of Heaven is best when you watch the director's cut as opposed to the theatrical oh, cut.
0: That I mean, Kingdom of Heaven's director's cut is an actual good movie. Where yeah. like the trimmed down version is like an extended trailer that's not great.
1: Yeah, They like, literally cut whole, whole like multiple plot lines, and even like literally cut plot lines in half to the point where they didn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. I do not understand the theatrical cut of that film, and I hope that whoever edited that cut no longer works anymore. Well, that
0: is- I mean, that, no, that, I mean that's going to be a studio note or a. A contractual agreement that Ridley has with the studio where he has to bring in the movie at a certain time. And again, it it literally just comes down to this movie costs too much money. We won't be able to play it enough times in the theater. That so is, that is a a very long, good
1: film when you see it in its entirety, like the director's cut. But yeah, that is that was a disaster film when it came. Like there there was a point where you can just see the actors like waiting to be done on set because they just no longer wanted to be in production. Like that, oh, was, 100%. A, that was a nightmare film from what I understand. Um, but no, like this, on the other hand, not a nightmare film. This was fantastic. I think the only thing that doesn't necessarily age too well, and I think you'll find that this, the case with most films from this era was, you know, the CGI. And this was kind of around the time, which hilariously uh, my wife and I, I've been making her rewatch the Matrix films because I want to watch this new one. Um, my wife is not a fan of of she likes the first one, but she hates the sequels understandably. And I think can I even sent you a quite quite a humorous video of her reaction to Matrix Reloaded, <laughs> which is very adorable. Um, but it, like it, like you can tell watching that that the CGI did not age well because there's still that era where you can tell, that it's dated but at the same time it's the best that it was at the moment and the studio is showing off with it
0: well it also has the problem of the cgi which is new and shiny and what the studio wants is competing with none other than the jim henson creature shop for the practical wolf effects and exactly they're great it's and it's it's a matter of them wanting to do a little bit more, and you have to play with those tools. Uh, or, you know when they're out. Um, you know, like it, it's it is just an, it is just part of the growing pains of any new technology. Uh, I mean, you can go look at a movie like Logan's Run, which has miniatures that are laughably clearly like a model train set, and yet that movie won Best Special Effects. At the Academy Awards. And like, you're like, wait, really? Like that th- that movie looks silly. And you're like, yeah, not at the time, no. And a yeah. lot of effects look silly now. But at the time, I mean, man, I I remember when the Final Fantasy movie came out. Myself and several yes. my friends. Yeah, myself, um, the, and several the, the spirits, friends, the spirits within, right? Yeah. And yeah. we all were like, "Wow, that's completely photo real." I guess special effects will never get better. And now, and then that studio watched... went
1: bankrupt like right away.
0: Well, and like those, the the, the graphics just like they were as they were absolutely cutting edge at the time. They were the but best that you could get at that time. They were like inconceivably good. And now they're fine. Like it it's it's is, still, it is still fast. Good. It's,
1: It's fascinating to watch like a film like that in this day and age. It's a real, it's a real time capsule. Sorry, my phone went off. It's unprofessional.
0: Unprofessional, Uh, David.
1: But it's a real time capsule. I think like I could equate the quality of this CGI at the time with I think a movie that also came out around the same time, which was The Relic. Mm -hmm. Um, A very, um, in my opinion good film i really i really liked the relic i thought it actually it's got some
0: good yeah it's got some good moments
1: yeah it's a really good creature feature um plenty of uh people caught in a you know in a certain location getting picked off one by one kind of situation that i tend to enjoy um i also read the book too so i'm
0: i'm, I'm a bit biased as someone who's seen over 150 creature features i know because i lo- logged them all for a Uh, A research project that I was doing I would call the Relic Solid B minus Creature feature. It's not A, it's it's not Jaws At all Um, It's got some problems including some wonky CGI Um, You know I I would say that like it's definitely better Than uh, the first Anaconda Movie but I wouldn't say it's better than Deep Blue Sea It's definitely not better than Tremors How did Crocodile rate on that list? Uh, Crocodile
1: or Alligator um, which is the one that's uh, sorry, the one that's in Australia where they they're stranded on the that little bank?
0: Oh, uh, that one is uh, no, that's not uh, what. Oh, uh, what yeah. is that one called? Yes, uh, that, I know. That, that one is called Rogue. Rogue is quite. Oh, sorry, I don't know. I would I call, call Crocodile. Yeah, I would call Rogue a solid B, uh, like a solid B rating. Um, I would say uh, Crocodile is like a C minus. Crocodile okay, Two, I, I got it by, <laughs> Crocodile Two, directed by Gary Jones, is actually almost a secret banger. It's got some really good moments in it. Um, it's also not great in other moments. And then Alligator is a solid A minus creature feature. And that stars Robert Forrester, uh, the um, star of Jackie Brown. It was written by John Sayles, who you would remember from Piranha a couple of weeks ago. He was the writer of that. And it is, it is great. Uh, I, I, I highly, highly recommend Alligator. Number one creature feature, go. Jaws, I mean, oh, it's, not even no. a, it's not even a question. True. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's like Jaws, Tremors, Jurassic Park. Uh, and I'm not saying in any particular order here. Alien, Anacondas 2, Curse of the Blood Orchid. Uh, let's hear Deep Blue Sea, Alligator. Have you and I
1: watched Anacondas Blood Orchid together?
0: I do not believe we have. You have no. talked to me about it and you've shown me your adorable snow globe. Yes, I own a promotional <laughs> snow globe from Anacondas <laughs> 2. I have met Johnny Mercer. I told him to his face that that is the best giant snake movie of all time. Eat a dick, Conan of the Barbarian. It is, I, 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 <laughs> it, 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 like, it, I will say this. Anacondas 2 is not the best movie in the world, but it is the best movie I could conceive you could make where the antagonist is arguably a giant snake. Love it. Oh,
1: my God. Um, Ken. I suppose before we proceed
0: forward, what, like, do we have anything else that we want to talk about with this film? Um, well, I guess we're going to spoil the ending, right? That's what yes. we're going to do here in just a minute. Yes, I would Let's say talk the spoilers thing, a little bit. The only thing I want to say before we do that is I want to mention the name Dan Lawson, the DP of this movie. I think he killed it. Very proud of you, Dan. Great job. Yes,
1: 100%. So yes, Ken, in terms of just like, how this played out and the ending itself. Like I, I want to kind of like get your opinion on it first before, like I, I dive into it um, because I, I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely brilliant.
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's really, um, it is, it, uh, it is the best kind of mystery because it lays out everything that you need to know in front of you. Uh, So so unlike an episode of house where there is no way that you are going to beat house to the mystery, the show is unfair. They do not provide you with the clues, the context that you need to figure out what's going to happen. It's a lot like of an Agatha Christie novel in that way, where basically there's a bunch of clues and nonsense. And then at the very end of the book, somebody goes, well, actually, this is what happened. And they explain a bunch of stuff that you could have no way, shape or form figured out. This movie is the opposite. This movie lays down all of its crumbs. And when the ending comes and the reveal happens, you are, you're like, yeah, no, I 100% buy that. That's exactly how that would happen. I cannot believe I did not see this happening earlier. And or that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I'm glad I saw it that way. And I'm very pleased that I was right. Um, Yeah, it is. uh, It is totally
1: solid. Yeah, no. It it is the the perfect equivalent of using the gun on the wall. It is, um, gun. yeah, yeah. It is the equivalent. Uh, it is is the perfect equivalent of Chekhov's gun. It is. God, what was it? Um, God, also like Roger Ebert. I think he gave like the best review on this. Is like it's an explosion of genres, um, where oh, cool. everything pay, where everything pays off. It is. It is this. A like you know who the villain is. You absolutely 100% know who the villain is, but there's so much spice and there's so much seasoning to this film that you almost look past it. You, you almost miss those very obvious notes. And then suddenly when it hits you, you like you're like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, yes. And then after looking up the story of the beast of, Jovedon just seeing how many conspiracies at the time that were going on around this event that they included in this film. I am genuinely impressed. I also love that there are Pope police in this. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I found that hilarious along with the bone sword with chains on it. That was, um, that was a particular nice little little piece of steak that I got to chew on for a while. Um,
0: yeah, I would, say, I, I would say at this point, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go into full spoilers here. If you do not want to hear the end of uh, what happens in this movie uh, and our discussion of it, uh, skip to the last, I don't know, 90 seconds of this podcast, give or take, and you can find out what we're going to do next and here, is say goodbye and go fuck yourselves. Um, yeah, but, uh, but from now on, ooga, ooga, ooga. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yes. Okay. David, so what happens? What happens
1: at the end of this movie? This werewolf is not in fact a werewolf. It is an armored lion. Like it is a full armored lion. It is, I'm guessing the lion that completely mangled the villain of the film and supposedly in quotation marks, took off his arm. Turns out his arm has been there the whole time. It's, it's just mangled and disgusting and he doesn't want people to see it. Cause it's ew, gross. Um it's like, but, it's like a polio, it's like a polio arm. Exactly. It's a polio arm. It's a it's a muscled polio arm that fights pretty damn well. Um, you know, can grip that sword, that that bone sword pretty solid. Um yeah, I I've, if anything, like I really like that in this director's cut they left out the scene. Mm-hmm. Um with the main character and I'm, I'm brain farting on his name, Uh, not Manny, but um, they, they took out the part in the opening fight where he gets off his horse and kicks ass Mm -hmm. because then throughout the whole film, you're assuming that he's just kind of a naturalist who's, who doesn't really like war. He's been, he's been involved in war and it's just like, he's turned off to it. He's like, Nope, I don't like fighting. Don't like killing. Not my jam. Turns out he kills, he kills, he kills them folks. Good. He does. He he ooh he he got bloodthirsty and and bitches got some moves. Like he can he can do the the whirly twirlies just as well as Manny can. Yeah, the flippy dips, the whole nine. The flippy dips, <laughs> the whole nine. Um yeah, he, he goes full Arnold Schwarzenegger from The Predator and just decimates a bunch of peasants.
0: Um and then what you like, kind of like have, evil culty peasants. Who are helping the the uh, monarchy and the church? Let this beast terrorize the countryside, so that way they will get all less revolutionary because they'll be like, "Oh, but there's a big old beast, and we need like we obviously need a king to kill that because he's got like his king people." Oh my god, please don't fucking murder us because like there's a beastie out there. We love the king, and and then it turns out it was all fake. Uh, spoilers like religion. Yeah,
1: like it's th- th- because here's the thing. Like when you look at the story of this beast and the tabloids that were going on at the time, this of course being like one of the first national stories. Like because you know the printing press was not too too far behind this particular tale, and so you know you have these tabloids being spread more more readily you have people getting access to more information which is why you see science kind of starting to push ahead a bit more than religion and the occult um which is kind of what made that particular time fascinating but like here's like like to give you an idea like the lion storyline that was a full-on conspiracy that actually was one of the more likely um Outcomes of like what the beast was because still to this day, like they do not have any scientific evidence to determine exactly what the beast was. Sometimes they said it was a very large wolf that just you know got a taste for human blood, you know, a la um Ghost in the Darkness, um, where it was Val Kilmer fighting a lion, a bunch of lions that had gotten a taste for blood. Um,
0: but Solid no, like, th-
1: oh yeah, no, songs preacher feature, but like th- this one was um, because the stories that were told about this creature was that it grabbed people with its paws and wolves don't do that. Yeah. So, so they it's like, well, chances are somebody captured a lion in Africa, brought it to France and it escaped. And then it's just been, you know, tearing apart, you know, sheep and commoners and occasionally noblemen. Um, but also one of the stories, like one of the conspiracies was that the farmer who actually hunted the beast turns out like, like people believe that maybe he, he had a giant mastiff, a massive mastiff dog. Um, and they believe that he might have trained it to kill people yeah. as a way to get the crown to actually send somebody to take care of the wolf problem because there was a big wolf problem at that time and they were killing peasants, they were killing um, all the farm. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, they were killing the livestock, they were killing all the farm animals. It was a big problem at the time. So that was one of the conspiracies. One of the other ones was that, you know, the Pope was doing a bit of a flex on the crown, and that they were training a beast to pretty much kill a bunch of peasants to make the crown look weak. Mm Mm-hmm. Like like all of this with the exception of the Mastiff. And even then they show a Mastiff in the film. <laughs> like there is a nod to almost every conspiracy that this film is based off of. And it is so impressive to watch them put it on screen. It is absolutely 100% awe-inspiring just how detailed Christoph Gans got with this
0: film. And I cannot begin to tell you how pleased I was to really like dive in and see that. Yeah, no, I, same thing. I was so glad that we got a chance to revisit this. And speaking of revisiting movies or watching movies that we haven't seen before or, well, just what we do on this show, it's come to the end of this podcast, it looks like. David, I mean, right? Is, is there anything else that you want to share? I think that was a lot um, on. I mean, I always like to kind of th- go off
1: on... Um our final reasons why you should see this film. I think that's most of the podcast, but Ken, if you could do like one more like quick summary of like, why you think this is worth people's watch. Uh, Why you think this is worth someone's two and a half
0: hours. Because you didn't know that French films could be this awesome. We normally think of French films as like Godard and Tufo and art films, and it's all in black and white. People smoking gawa Blancs and talking about how God is dead and, uh, you know, and and this and life is nothing but ennui. And sometimes they also make like Native American Kung Fu revolutionary werewolf movies because the French are pretty rad. They were the, I, I believe they are the only country that has a cinema attached to their government Congress building. Oh. Yeah, like, yeah, that's how much they take the, the movies seriously in France. They put one, like a public movie theater in their government fucking a yeah right all right ken what do well, you david, have D- david david hold on what about you what, oh, what, what's me? yours yes i just oh, answered the, the takeaway like what, what, what's your what's yours i
1: mean i'm coming from a very similar place this is uh you go in seeing one thing not un- like not really understanding the fact that the director is kind of low-key feeding you some real historical knowledge scraps Kind of under the table at the same time while you are feasting on like a French Kung Fu Matrix werewolf film. Yeah, totally. Like 100%. It is, it does not seem like it. Like on the first view, like it seems like a completely ridiculous thing. But then when you really dive in, it is just a solid film. Cannot
0: recommend this enough. Can confirm. David, I've got two movies chosen for us for our good people at home to choose. The first slap movie. ken, what do you got? The first movie is The Wicker Man. The original Eww. one, not the Nicolas Cage one. Aww. The original super rad Wicker Man. The you don't want to see movie, a child get hit by a train on a, on a on a boat? I have seen that happen. It's very funny, but it's not <laughs> good. The other movie is Dave Made a Maze mm-hmm and this i have actually
1: i I've, I've seen a trailer of this i don't know anything about the production of it i think it looks fun as
0: fuck hell yeah so all right the people at home go to the instagram and uh, and vote david where can they find that instagram they can find that instagram which i run and i
1: will also be putting the poll up at shutter underscore show on instagram uh you can also find me at underscore DW Marlow, where I get up to my regular musings and uh, occasionally woodworking projects and see what I get up to in my everyday life. But, but Ken, Ken, good, sir. Now you're pretty busy, but my,
0: my God, you still find time to post a couple of things about your life. Where can people find what's going on with you? Well, they can find out what's going on with me personally at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ken Stachnik, S T A C H N I K. You can find us shutter show on Twitter at shutter show. You can also email us if you have questions, thoughts. If you have any feedback, again, a shuttershow at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, things that you want us to cover, movies that you think we should check out, or you just have a general positive comment to send us, please go ahead. If you've got a bunch of negative comments, you can go ahead and keep those yourself. If you notice, we're not running any commercials. The show is totally free. so uh, I You're welcome. You have- yeah, you're welcome. You don't have anything to complain about, so keep it to yourself. Um, check us out on and- YouTube. Yeah, and then we also are on YouTube if you want to see us talk while we record, because why not? And If you want to see my
1: ADD take hold every once in a while and I
0: occasionally look at a keyboard item. Yeah, if you want to see, see my slowly developing shoulders or see me point at the camera with a pen a whole bunch, YouTube is the place to go. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good night, good luck, and most importantly, go fuck yourselves. Also, please get vaccinated, boosted. My God, Omicron is killing people. But yeah, go fuck yourselves, good night. Please. Oh my bye. God, get this shit together. Go fuck yourselves. I love you bye. love you boy.